welcome to the gardening show on Radio Karam. Uh, my name is Henry. Is it? No, it's not. My name is Brendan. <laughs> and my name is Henry. How are you going? Good, good. We are the hosts of The Gardening Show on Radio Karam, and we are excited to be joining you to talk about all things gardening and local food production. Uh, we are two local dads who share a passion for the garden, sustainability, growing food, and just giving it a go. Um, we also help run the Downs Community Farm, which is a budding non-for-profit non just adjacent to the Seaford wetlands. And our mission is to promote and share the benefits of home gardening in our local community. Uh, we'll be talking about gardening in general, playing some tunes, and hopefully growing to engage with our listeners via call-ins um, and have guests and interviews. That's right. And I'd like to kick everything off with an acknowledgement of country. So I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording today, the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, and we want to repay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And we recognise that their sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you so much, Henry. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing, um, first up, we're going to be talking about our favourite gardens. Um, be it either botanic community or, or farms in general. Uh, we're also going to talk about permaculture. So we stepped into permaculture last fortnight and we'll be building on to that one, talking about ethics and first principles. Um, I've got an interesting story about a greenhouse in the snow, which very, I'm keen to share. Very excited for that. And we're also just going to be having a bit of a chat about um, some useful apps as well that you can download and use to assist in your gardening ventures. Definitely. And um, yeah, if you do have any questions, any gardening questions that you'd like to send in during the show, um, we have some time at the end to answer them. If they come in, uh, the number to message, uh, don't call just yet, we're still figuring <laughs> everything out, but shoot us a text on 0493 213 831. That's 0493 213 831. Um, so yeah, and we'll probably remind you of that somewhere in the middle as well. Um, but yeah, let's kick things off with a with a little bit of a song. Um, and this is Guts and Lorene Chia with Peaceful Life. Hi, I'm Fiona Lee Maynard and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is what I do whenever I'm anywhere near Seaford Karam High School and Eel Race Road. And welcome back to The Gardening Show on Radio Karam. Hello. <laughs> okay. So let's kick it off. Let's talk about favourite gardens. Um, favourite gardens. Okay. So there's a couple of there's a couple that I wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really wanted to keep it nice and local. Yes. Awesome. Um, I've, not, we are, I've not done that as much, but <laughs> I've got one local in there as well. No, that's all good. <laughs> Because um, we are, we're, we're, we're very much all about local and uh, uh, connecting with people here and inspiring people um, locally to see what's a, what's actually around. Um, so the first one that I wanted to go through was uh, the Diggers Club. Uh, we've actually got two sites here uh, in mm -hmm. quite close close by, and there's a third Diggers site which I haven't been to, um, but Heronswood and Cloud Hill. And Heronswood, I believe, is in Dramana. Yes. Up yep. on the hill. Um, Cloud Hill is in Mount Dandenong Way. Okay. Um, yep. So up near Sassafras, I think. And both of them are amazing. 
Uh, I, I heavily agree. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think it's uh, it's like stepping into a bit of a wonderland. Um, everything has been curated. Uh, it's carefully, it's looked after, it's well-maintained. Um, walking through the gardens, it's like you get to uncover and discover new little bits, little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. You walk through down one little aisle and then through an archway and then another garden just opens up yeah, in front of totally. you. And it might be a different sort of theme or a different sort of presence for it. I know that there was some more arid stuff and, and uh, species up up towards the entrance. And then um, one of my favourite spots at, at uh, Heronswood in Germana specifically is that round circular garden where they plant in edibles so oh, um, yes yeah and, and it might be onions and um there i think last time i saw it that it was interplanted with some flowers as well mm, um yep. and it was all in rows it was all nice and neat and it had been kind of dug out and you've also got that pristine sort of lawn and classic country style look yeah. around it as well uh and it's just amazing you can kind of you can dig through and uh and and just uncover new bits and pieces and, and little tucked away corners at, at uh, the Diggers Club sites, which is what I really, really love about them. Uh, I think probably in, in addition to that, you've got a huge variety of species. You've got both edible and ornamental. Um, the walk around and the facilities are, are pretty amazing. Um, even that you can go and sit down, you've got a, an awesome shop there. You can mm. go and buy... Um, you can go and buy seedlings and um, establish plants, a nursery. Plants, a nursery. Mm. You've got all the seeds against the wall telling you what to plant now and, yep. and what's available. Um, you can also go and have food there and they also do education sessions and they do workshops and things like that. So um, for for local and around here and the Diggers Club specifically, uh, highly, highly recommend. I reckon it's a great, great day out and a great experience. Can I just give an honourable mention? To mm. uh, the scones, the scones, uh, the scones, yeah, uh, with with jam and, and cream at at Heronswood, really good. I do I do fancy a, a scone. <laughs> I also just uh, yeah, just to jump in real quick. I, what I really like about Diggers Club is a their seeds, of course, mm-hmm. well known for the mail order catalog um, that they they have, and in particular heirloom varieties, mm. and really interesting varieties of of um, of edible plants. But the fact that uh, often when you have these really nicely manicured gardens, they kind of don't have a food focus. Mm, mm. And I think, as you said, the Diggers Club does have that and weaves that into mm. the garden really nicely. It doesn't just look like a random vegetable patch that's been thrown in for the sake of it. Mm, it's, mm. At, it's at the core of, of who they are. Yep. So that's nice. Yeah, as you said, you get to experience a bit of everything. I actually got a, a – it was a couple of years ago I got a birthday present, which was a, a Diggers membership. That's my, my partner got me one of those too a couple of years ago. And, then I, and it really made me smile. I was like, yes, yes, this is awesome. Um, There's a good gift idea for anyone who yeah, has a, a gardener in their lives. Absolutely. Get them a Diggers a, Club membership. If they're not a member. Um, and in the shop as well, they've got a lot of useful – uh, non, non-toxic and non-invasive sort of treatments and ways of mm. uh, tools and, and um, ways of doing things. So for cabbage moths, for example, they've got this, uh, this one where it's a, a little cabbage moth 
that sits on the end of a of wire from oh, like a stake. A, like a scarecrow almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the idea is that you get a packet of, you know, eight of them or something and pepper them throughout um, your plants and they'll and they'll stick out of the ground and look like another cabbage moth is there. And I think um, from, from memory it was something to do with seeing other cabbage moths around would be a deterrent for new cabbage moths to come down. If Fiercely already... independent those cabbage moths are, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> but those sorts of things are really good uh, to, to help you know, maintain and manage the garden. Definitely. What else? Another one that I wanted to talk about just close to here is the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Um, a great space. Um, it's, it, it's huge. <laughs> it's really big. <laughs> there, is, there is plenty of wide open space to explore. Um, naturally not, not totally looking at productive and, and veggie gardening and those sorts of things, but um, the establishment itself is, is amazing. The education and opportunity to learn, there's, there's plenty of it. Mm. Um, there's lots of different zones, um, so you can kind of walk through a, a, again and, and uh, go through the water filtration sort of area and the water landscape down, and then there's a whole other area which is much more arid and, and desert and has natural land sculptures and interactive. It's very, it's very art, but it's also um, very landscape. So wow. it's a great, yep. it's a great connector. I really, uh, again, really encourage people to go and have a look. And it's really not too far away from here as well in Cranbourne. That's great. Um, yeah. Well, for me, um, I'll, I'll, I'll switch the order of what I was going to talk about. I'll, I'll also talk about a botanic garden, uh, the George Pentland Botanic Gardens um, in Frankston, which. Uh, yeah, I was quite ashamed that it took me so long to go there <laughs> after moving to Frankston. Um, you might just know it as the Frankston Botanic Gardens if you haven't been. Right next to the Frankston Hospital between uh, Foot Street and Yule Street, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, not as big as the Cranbourne one from what I hear. I'll admit I haven't been to the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. But yeah, very similar. It's just a nice place to spend the day. And it's one of those places that maybe you're a local and you haven't been before. Uh, and it's not just nicely manicured collection of, you know, different trees and, and um, species, which it is. And that's awesome. But a really great uh, sort of a family focus. So, you know, public toilets, easily accessible walking tracks, a large playground on the eastern end, uh, picnic barbecue facilities, an ornamental lake. Um, but yeah, if you are a big tree nerd like me and you want to see some really cool, interesting species, especially of native trees, uh, get down there, have a look. Mm. It's a little hidden gem in Frankston, I, I think. Although I say that as someone that didn't grow up in Frankston, maybe I'm preaching to the, to the choir and no, every, no. everyone's been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think it's it's important to share and uncover new little gems when you find mm -hmm. them. Uh, and for us, when we went to the George Pentland uh, Botanic Gardens in Frankston was, I think it was the playground there uh, and one of the swings that we went on with the kids and they just had a ball. They were just, they were, there was birthday parties that were happening there as well. Um, and yeah, really nice space, really nice space to just hang out and, and, and chill. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, the other one I wanted to talk about is not local. So this one's going to take a little bit of a trip up to the city or just past the city to Brunswick East. And that's Ceres uh, Community Environment Park or just Ceres as it's known. So this, if you don't know, is um, a large sort of environmental education centre, community garden, urban farm, social enterprise hub, cafe, grocer. It's, it's a bit of everything. 
quite a large plot of land. I couldn't tell you the the size exactly, but just on um, Merry Creek. So this is up in, in Wurundjeri country. Uh, and yeah, basically it was built on an old tip because uh, as we know, these inner city suburbs were often tips mm. <laughs> and got replaced as the, as the houses uh, spread out. And really the vision there is for people to just fall in love with the earth again, um, you know, and, and they do work really that spans environmental, social, economic, cultural dimensions. Uh, so it's a real sort of melting pot meeting space for the local community there. Um, they also have a school of nature and climate, which runs a wealth of courses, including the uh, permaculture course that I'm doing. They do an urban farmer course. They do lots of smaller courses as well, like how to pickle and, um, you know, what else, how to grow mushrooms and, and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, Brunswick East. So get on down there. You can just walk in and have a, have a look around. Um, as I said, there's a couple of cafes. They have a large festival in March every year, oh, yeah. the Harvest Festival, um, almost like their big open day. I really recommend people go down and check that out. They do have a weekly maker market every Saturday morning, um, a bicycle repair hub. If you want to ride in there with a, with a broken bike, you can fix it and they'll teach you. Um, a small grocer that sells the local produce that they grow as well as from, you know, sort of around the area. Um a really substantial plant nursery mm-hmm. with a really nice uh, sort of natives section um, and a bookshop as well. So, yeah, if you're up in the city or you want to make the trip up, uh, it is worth going up just to spend the day there and have a look. So, likewise, what you were saying, not, mm. not heading out to Cranbourne. I haven't been out to Ceres before. and I'm, I'm That keen, surprises me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see to, to head in there. But if I'm uh, one thing that I got confused about with Ceres is that uh, in my head, when I first heard it, I thought S-E-R-I-E-S, but it's, it's not. So, if, if, if somebody is looking for how – what is Ceres? How do yeah, you- C-E-R-E-S. Right, okay. Um, like the – Dwarf planet. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm not exactly sure what it stands for. Yep. Um, but yes, yeah, C E R E S. Yep. Um, search for that on Google. Search and for that. Work. Yeah. Chuck in Brunswick after it if that makes it a bit easier. But yeah, you'll 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 know it when you come across it mm-hmm. um, online. Um, yeah. Check it out. So let's jump into another song before we get into our next section. Uh, so I'll just get it all. Ready? I should have done this already. Apologies. We're still we're still working it out, and no, we'll, it's all <laughs> we'll join you right after this. Call T A D to remodel my place. Said I wanted it to be that kind of place Knee deep in the reno Sinking in our fights Other shonky builders Waking me up at night And Adam plays the boss man He listens to the customer Don't you remember He built this kitchen he built this kitchen with T.A.D. We built this kitchen 
We built this kitchen with T A D. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with T A D. Well, you heard it there. If you are in the market for a new kitchen, TAD cabinets, that's the way, that's the one to go to. Definitely. We, we do need a new kitchen. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what a great ad. Uh, that's, I think that's the Friday Night Frothies do those ads. Um, shout out to those guys. Um, but yeah, let's get into some permaculture. Permaculture, Sit yes. down, strap in, put on a seatbelt. Let's, uh, let's start to learn a little bit about this way of, um, I guess, designing gardens living systems um yeah and, and go from there you're looking at the deck are we are we <laughs> yeah, yeah no no looking at the buttons and it's I've, it's I've all s- looking good <laughs> i still have this fear in the back of my head that we're, we're just talking out into the ether and just, uh nothing's actually going going out live but yeah so yeah just as a quick reminder i guess from the last show uh what is permaculture it's a term that was coined or a system that was developed, um, co-developed by, by two gentlemen, Bill Mollison uh, and David Holmgren, and it combines the words permanent and uh, originally uh, agriculture, and that's sort of grown over time to be culture, uh, more inclusive, I guess, of people in general. Uh, so permanent culture. Um, and yeah, much more than just a way of, of growing food, which is I think how most people um, think about it when they when they come into it. Uh, it's more just a holistic approach to designing and creating sustainable systems. Mm. Most often, yes, in in a gardening context that uh, you know harmonise with nature, as opposed to sort of working against nature uh, or in opposition to to nature. So today we're going to delve into. Uh, well, I'll go through first the, just the three ethics that sort of underpin. Because mm, um, this is some stuff that I don't know. Like I, I've got some good intuitions towards it, but I, I'd love to get the the more of the technical. And, absolutely. Um, yeah, tell me tell me what it's all about. There's no notepad here. Where you're not taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, you're totally right. I think intuition is is a good way to sort of um, to talk about it because a lot of these things do have that sense of like, oh, yeah, obviously. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Why don't we do things this way? Um, And, yeah, we'll we'll go into that in a second. But uh, I guess first to start off with the three core ethics. So if you look at this as a sort of, I don't know, like a pyramid and you're sort of starting at the top, what's the most important thing which needs to underpin everything you do in a permaculture sense? It's the ethics of earth care. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory what that means. Uh, people care uh, and fair share. Mm. So earth care, caring for the environment, caring for animals and plants, living, you know, harmoniously with in, in nature. People care, so making sure that we're you know, taking care of, you know, not just ourselves and our families and our communities, but people in general um, all over the world. And fair share, so, you know, sharing what we have, uh, our abundance with others yeah, and, and building community resilience in that way instead of just sitting there, you know, on your mountain of apples and, and keeping them all to yourself, you know, giving them out to your community. I'm sorry. 
very general example. But yeah, it yeah. kind of talks to the ethics around it as well. Is mm. what I get that that feel from. A fair share is that um, you know, we, we don't need to take more than what we need, um, and uh, and we can utilize better, and we can you mm. know share and give and, and all of those sorts of things. Absolutely, yeah. No, and not not just you know fair share amongst each other as people, but fair share. With the earth, mm, yep. you know, um, yep, totally. We're trying to get too hippy diffy with everybody, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's important. Um, so yeah, these sort of three core ethics they underpin all the decisions that we make in the garden, and they sort of serve, I guess, as a moral code um, to ensure that we're yeah working in harmony. Mm. Um, so uh, under this, of course, there are principles. Uh, so twelve core principles, uh, and these are. How else would I describe them without using the word principle? <laughs> but uh, 12 ways in which um, we talk about how we design gardens and um, what we're trying to achieve um, with a design, a mm. garden design or, or a living system that we are, we are developing. So the first of these is observe and interact. Um, so it's the most hands-off sort of take a deep breath, mm. um, something that I find very hard to do in the garden. But this is really where it all begins. Um, observing and interacting, it, it urges us to, I guess, closely observe and engage with our natural surroundings. So our garden, let's put it in the garden context. Uh, and really take the time to do that before making any significant changes or any significant decisions. Mm. Um so again, something that's very, very hard for me to do. Um, you know, immersing ourselves in the rhythms, the patterns that are that are going on in our little ecosystem in the backyard or the front yard, and by doing that, we can, I guess, understand the relationships that sort of already exist, mm. um, and make sure that we can, you know, use them to our benefit. So, does that mean that as soon as we find a new spot, we we just don't think about it at all. We go in hard. We plant something new. We, we do lots of st- <laughs> and just hope for the best. Cut the tree down, you know. Uh, t- totally no, <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Quite I the opposite. I mean, in a perfect world, Brandon, you you know, you picked a nice house. You know, assuming you know you can afford a house. That's very difficult at the moment. Um, you wouldn't even touch your garden for like a year, mm. and you would spend that whole year observing. Yep. That's that's the gold standard, I think, you know. What are, what um, are you observing? What are, what are we looking for? Definitely. Well, um, let me get into that in a second. Okay. Because bef- before I get into that, I actually want to ask you to have a, have a bit of a think. I mean, we talk about, yeah, rushing into the garden and just, you know, oh, I'm going to put tomatoes there and I'm going to put an apple tree there and, and all of that sort of stuff. Have you ever done that? Have you ever rushed in um, – not truly understanding, I guess, the ecosystem that is your backyard and made any decisions that, I guess, made you, you know, that you regretted down the line or came back to bite you in the bum. Mm-hmm. I like to, especially with this sort of thing, I like to say that it's a learning experience yeah, and, I'll, yeah. and, I'll ta- and I'll learn something <laughs> from it. Um, and it's it's funny that you mention it because it was something that we were doing in the garden just just the other day. Um, we've been doing a fair bit of uh, spending a bit of time out there and, and redesigning some stuff. And um, we had a climbing fig. So I'm, nice. I'm not so sure if you're familiar with it, but it's a, mm. a the the the. Starting off as a small one, but it will cling onto the side of the house or fence, and it will really spread out. It can um, color and tone as well. I think in the autumn, um, but the 
this one we had popped in and we put it against one of the walls and it totally, totally cooked. It totally dried out. It was within, right. we, we were trying to water it every day, didn't figure out what quite was going on and it turns out that it was just totally in the wrong spot. Yeah, <laughs> we were Where it was sitting, we thought it was getting enough sunlight, it, it just wasn't getting enough direct sunlight and I think as well it was just too close to the bricks of the house. So yep. um, throughout the day and especially throughout the hotter months that it was absorbing heat into the walls and then probably just... Uh, emanating that heat back out onto the plant and the plant was just too mm. close. So I think it, it, it really suffered that way. And then we will get into thermal mass yeah, okay. in, in a later <laughs> permaculture episode, but yeah, definitely. So what, what wound up happening from that is, is moving it essentially. So mm. I picked it up. We realized it wasn't doing very well. It was only in a small pot, so it was easy to transport, moved it around into a more sheltered position um, where it was away from a brick wall yep. and uh, probably six weeks later or so and it's and it's actually sprouted back. So the whole top was – there was no colour left whatsoever. Wow, it was totally burnt um, brown and, and now we've got some colour coming back through and some new growth and new leaves. So observing, definitely. I think it was very valuable and it saved – in this instance it saved a plant but I must say there's been plenty of times where uh, I haven't – been so responsive and, and have lost plants as a result. Yeah. I, what a common story, right? For any gardener has experienced that. And certainly before looking into permaculture, that was my philosophy was like, you know, oh, we'll just see how it goes. And if they live, they live. And if they die, they die. And that's probably going to happen in some way, shape or form in your garden. But yeah, you can massively increase your chances of success mm. um, by, yeah, understanding I guess the microclimates that exist, mm, yep. the, little, the little spots and pockets in your garden that are, you know, hotter and drier or colder and wetter or whatever it might be. So 100%. Um, yeah, I have a pretty similar story. Um, it's something I'm dealing with right at the moment. I didn't I didn't take my own medicine on this, <laughs> on this one and I put a bush lime in um, in the front yard and it's just under the eave of the house. So it's not getting rainwater basically mm, mm. um whereas just on the other side of it there's a whole bunch of other natives that are just f- flourishing uh, and that one's just drying up and shriveling and hopefully it's not too late to, to move it but yeah didn't think about it didn't observe and that area mm. um you know in, in 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 the front yard and put a plant where it shouldn't have gone mm. and now it's it's suffering so apologies <laughs> sorry 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 bushland um so we'd be looking at things like rain, where the rain is falling and how it's running across the property. Definitely, yeah. Um, other other stuff as well? Yeah, so, uh, okay, well, first of all, uh, just the existing plants that might be on the property, uh, mm. particularly ones that are going to be very hard to move or you can't move, so like large trees um, as well as neighbours' trees mm. or verge trees that, you know, um, is it losing its leaves? Is it, you know, is it deciduous or is it an evergreen? Uh, is it blocking light at a certain time of the year? Mm. Um, so how they affect light or wind, of course. So do you have a natural wind break or is this a wind tunnel coming through into a certain part of your garden? Where does water flow? Mm. You know, yeah, it flows down uh, when it falls out of the sky, <laughs> but, you know, does it, does it hit a path and then does it go to one side of the path and not the other? Does it mean that... 
Does it mean that on the left of the path it's much wetter than the right of the path? You know, little things like that. The sun itself, generally speaking, you know, we I think we all know that, it, you know, in the southern hemisphere that, you know, uh, a, a north-facing backyard or front yard, wherever you're growing your food is best because it's getting that full arc of the sun. Mm. But what's interrupting that arc of the sun potentially are the buildings, as I said before, trees, um, what time of year is it as well? You know, in winter, the, 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 the sun's in a very low arc mm. that only starts kind of in front of you and, you know, it doesn't really travel across the sky, whereas in summer it travels much higher in the sky and sort of curves around you a little bit. So all these little things and um, even just the movement of animals, you know, like in my backyard, you know, what – Where's the where's the possum highway, right? Mm. It, it's in my house. It's a fence down the side of the of the of the garden. Um, you know where do pests typically come from? Yeah, where are the bees coming from? Where are the good insects coming from? You know, all these little things you don't necessarily know when you first move into a house, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of these are very seasonal. So again, you you might spend a bit of time in summer you know, sussing it out, Mm. uh, what's going on in the garden and you make some decisions and then winter comes along and ruins everything. (laughs) So it's a little bit like that, you know, take that time, take a deep breath, figure out what's going on Mm. before Mm. you start trying to work in it. Yeah, it it makes sense. It makes sense. It's, uh, it sounds totally logical. Um, I I think it, it just reminds me a bit of, I guess, grounding, like just being observant mm. as to, or, or mindful, being mindful, um, just being observant of what's happening and, and actually opening our eyes and, and looking for those little things. Like the, I love what you were saying with the possum highway because yeah. we've definitely got a possum highway along the fence as well. <laughs> uh, and then, and uh, the dog also knows that the possum highway is there yeah. and we'll, we'll go out looking in the evenings and stuff like that. I mean, look, even just if we talk about possum highways <laughs> for, for a second, um you know, a little tip here might be, you know, for me, uh, a great place in my garden to have fruit trees, deciduous fruit trees, so apples and stone fruit, is down the side of the house mm. uh, against that fence where the possums like to be. So, you know, a consideration that I will, will, will make because I've observed that is to make sure that I keep those trees pruned in a way where they're not directly touching the fence, mm-hmm. right? They're sort of fanning away from the fence and make it a little bit harder, I guess, for the possums to, to jump into the tree and Steal all to, the fruit. to have to jump into the tree mm. um, as opposed to just like walking into it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It also then makes it easier for me to put nets over the, the fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that that you might not even remotely think about. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's a good place to put a tree. Put it in there and then... Six months down the line, where was all my fruit? <laughs> There's a fat possum laughing at you yep. <laughs> from the from the tree across the road. Yeah, and sometimes the trees is there. There are some trees that they can be really fast growing, and and mm. they can take up a space that you didn't expect them to take up a space. Oh yes, um, <laughs> and fill it in quite quite quickly, mm. uh, and I'm, become a problem. Block out the rest of your garden. Yeah, yeah yep, absolutely. True. Yep. Um, so yeah, look, let's. My, my goal with this, uh, with these sort of little permaculture dives every every couple of weeks is to is to have um, our audience and, and you, Brendan, <laughs> to 
to walk away with something practical you can do mm. um, starting, you know, that week uh, that can help to sort of help this knowledge to sink in a little bit and, and actually make it useful in a practical sense. So um, here's what I want everyone to start doing uh, is start observing and interacting in your own garden. doesn't matter if you've already made a ton of decisions, you know, you might change some after this. So grab a notepad or a piece of paper or whatever your choice choice of uh, taking notes happens to be. I like a notepad. Um, get a gardening notepad, I think. Do you have a gardening notepad? No, not yet. Get one. Okay. Uh, I think oh, we'll do. Y- you can use spreadsheets, you can use your phone, but I think having a nice little booklet where you track everything, right? You know, this stuff that I'm about to talk about, but also what you plant and when. It's just nice to have something physical that you can write in. Hmm. I think it connects you with... The, the ups and downs of your garden, but sorry. So grab a notepad um, and list out the general areas in your garden. Okay. You know, you can be, I mean, be as granular as you want um, and as, as you can, um, you know, your backyard might just be a giant rectangle of grass. Fair enough. Well then do it with the four corners and right in the middle, Right. Break it up as much as possible. You know, do you have a little cold, dark corner down the side? Um, do you have a, a really damp spot behind your water tank? Whatever it is, list them out, give them names. And one by one, go and stand in each of those areas or sit down, you know, uh, and spend you know, a couple of minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes if you can, if you can be bothered. <laughs> uh, and just observe with your senses, right? How does it feel? Is it is it warmer than the rest of the garden? Is it colder? Is it more damp? Is it dry? Is it windy? Is it quite still? Um, you know, is, is there sun in there, or is it permanently in shade? Mm. And sounds a bit weird, but what's what's the vibe? I think this is actually really important. Um, you know, does it feel claustrophobic? Does it feel inviting? Does it feel I don't know. It's the serenity. Yeah, is, is it? Is this a serenity now kind of kind of era? Is it a serenity now? I, I was thinking. I was thinking the castle, but um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, 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 is it one of those places? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get uh, a feel for it. Yeah, get a feel for it. You know, um, and I guarantee you, you'll probably be surprised. Hmm. You'll at least there'll be one surprise in there. Um, and write all of this down. And, and sort of start to build a little picture of these little areas, these, these microclimates, I guess, um, different spots in your garden. And that's going to really help you to determine what might be able to grow there and certainly what won't be able to grow there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it can help you determine you know, where you might put a water tank, where you might um, you know, put a table and chairs, you know, uh, where should the barbecue go. You can really determine the entire garden and and what it should look like. Ideally, you want to be doing this, you know, once in the morning and then once at noon and then once in the afternoon Mm. because these are going to change throughout the day and you want to start to see the patterns that happen throughout the day. Even better, as is what I alluded to before, do it throughout a whole year, Mm. you know, do it in the middle of summer, do it in the middle of winter, do it, you know, uh, autumn and, and spring. And you'll find there will be areas that in summer are unbearable, mm. perhaps. Um, but in winter are quite pleasant. And then there'll be other areas that are the opposite, you know. Um, yeah, that's really it. 
That's all I want you to do. No, that's easy. I can definitely do that, Henry. Can you sit in your garden for five minutes with a pad and a pen and just write a few things down? Gladly. (laughs) Gladly I will. (laughs) Um, You know, it it does sound a little bit bit silly, I suppose, um, but you will learn something about your garden that you probably didn't know. Mm. And if you already have quite an established garden, I guarantee that uh, you will come out of this experience being like, oh, well, that's why that's not growing well here. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, okay, well, no wonder they're happy here, mm. you know. Almost, even put yourself in the mind of a plant, mm-hmm. you know. Would I really be happy here if I was a plant? Yep. Probably not. Um, you know, the, the dog keeps peeing on me or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, notice all those little things. Some useful tools to help you with this. So one is uh, an app called Sunseeker. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the show when we talk about useful apps. So I won't go in too much into it now. Um, a rain gauge. So you can get these at, at Bunnings or, you know, nurseries. You can get them really cheap online as well, you know, five, ten bucks. Just a, it's a plastic tube with measurements on it really. Mm. Um, and have one in the garden so you can start to keep track of what your rainfall is like because it's probably not the same as, you know, the Melbourne average or the, the Frankston average. It's going to be quite unique to where you live. Um, You can scale that up and you can do a proper weather station. You know, they've got hundreds of dollars, digital thermometer, everything, Mm -hmm. sends it to your phone, gives you spreadsheets. I mean, you can go that route if you want. Uh, I prefer something a little bit more low tech. Mm. Uh, And some thermometers, just a couple of cheap thermometers and put them in a few different spots in your garden. One that's always in shade, one that's always in sun. And then you can sort of start to really see how different the temperature can be in yep. different parts of your garden, even just front yard, backyard, depending on how your house is facing. My mind just went to uh, setting it up like as a little bit of, an, uh, of a project for the kids um, yeah, to, to build a little weather station. I think that would be great. The little spinning cups yeah, for the wind yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely. Yeah, get the kids involved, of mm. course. And it's good for them because you are teaching them to listen to their senses, you know, and, and sort of compare different you know, feelings, right? Um, cold, hot, you know, all that sort of stuff. So mm. that's it. Love it. I'll stop talking now, otherwise I'll <laughs> I will lose my voice. Um, but next time uh, we will delve into the second permaculture principle, which is uh, a very practical one. It's capture and store energy. I so like it. Really important. It's, uh, it's all about collecting resources when they're abundant so that you have them when you need them, when, when they aren't so abundant. So this is things like water, uh, you know, heat. We talked about that wall that you talked about with your, with your fig, right? Mm-hmm. That wall has obviously been collecting heat. Uh, nutrients, uh, the, the food that we harvest itself, you know, um, things like, you know, preserving food and that sort of stuff all comes in that capture and store energy bucket. So we'll go into that and, uh, yeah, hopefully have something practical as well that you can – you can go away and try um, that next weekend. I do like the practical. Thank you so much, Henry. No worries. Shall we get into a song? Let's do it. I need a little bit of water. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisce about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to... Radio Karen and get down with the good vibes. 
Good vibes indeed. Good vibes. And that, of course, was Sunny by Bobby Hebb. Classic song. Classic. I like it. Thank you so much. So tell us an interesting story. I'm, I've been waiting all, well, two weeks. I've been waiting for, for two weeks to hear this. It's Greenhouse in the Snow. Let's do it. Yeah. So this, this, I, I saw this one simply just browsing through YouTube, going down the different rabbit holes of, of gardening videos and all sorts of different things like that. And I came across this one and it was in Nebraska. So it's a long, long way away from here. Um, and it's in the US and it's in the northern states of the US and it's quite um, uh, it's quite away f- it's quite far north um, and so in this climate they've got a temperature range which goes down to that during winter about negative six or so degrees and I think that the coldest recorded temperature that they had at this particular farm was around about negative 40 degrees Celsius yikes um, so not Necessary. It's going to. It's going to be quite a varied. Uh, is, climate. That, is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? That was in Celsius. Actually, no. I think negative forty is is forty. Is negative forty the same in both? Right. That's it's, right. It's yep. right on. So this uh, this gentleman, he's a retired mailman. Um, his name is Russ Finch. I'm going to. It's actually called Greenhouse in the Snow. So I'll preemptively say, if you do want to have a look at it. Jump online, jump onto Google, onto YouTube, have a look for Greenhouse in the Snow. Um, I think that mm, the video goes for about 18 minutes. There's a couple of on on there. Okay. Um, so he's a retired mailman. His, his name's Russ Finch. He's uh, in his 80s, I believe, or around about that sort of mark. Yeah. Um, and in Nebraska, he has built a, a greenhouse. Um, he grows citrus. Um, he grows oranges in a region that they're not usually supposed right. to be even, able to grow. Even a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> he grows uh, figs, grapes, pomegranates. He's got a greenhouse that he's uh, sectioned uh, or that he's built and created, which is um, about 5 by 25 metres. Okay, so that's um, pretty so sizable. 5 metres wide, 25 metres back. Yeah, okay. Um, the, and it resembles what they call a pit greenhouse or... A, a wallapini. This is a new term that I came okay. that, I, that I found. But, I don't know um, what that is. So this is uh, it was this is great because it led me on to start thinking about okay, I've seen these sort of greenhouses before, but didn't know what they were called, didn't know that there was a name for them, but the ideas were were definitely there, and, yeah. and I kind of appreciated those ideas. And this is so it's a pit greenhouse, which means that it's semi dug out from the ground as well. Okay. So if you imagine that... To like stabilise temperature or... Correct, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so if you imagine that you've got just the flat ground and then it's um, dug out almost like a trapezoid, upside down trapezoid with the uh, with some embankments going down. It was about 1.2 metres below the surface. So okay. not a huge, a huge depth down. Mm. And obviously you've got to be thinking about, you know, where your water table is and all of those sorts yeah, of things of before we go digging um, too far. Oh, before you dig people. That is absolutely <laughs> <good>. wise words. <laughs> um, so it's 1.2 metres below the ground and then at the edges, then the greenhouse sits on top of that. Um, yeah. And as opposed to it being a straight up two straight walls and then a, and a, and a symmetrical roof, yeah. this one uh, had a slanted wall or a slanted roof and um it had a reflective sheet as well to catch the sun so in the northern hemisphere it was the other way around for what you were saying facing south sort of thing to try and get the southern sun yeah um this this gentleman russ he doesn't pay for heat 
Um, instead, he utilizes this is what I really, really loved about it is geothermal power. Um, and essentially, what he's done is he relies on the warmth, uh, the warm underground air that's fed into the greenhouses via plastic tubes under the yard and, and a fan, essentially. So, oh, what okay. it, it, it Admittedly, this is quite a big project. It does take up um, this the idea and how much you would need to be able to effectively do it yeah, on a property yeah. or a local property. It's probably not just a standard household block project. It's but a good, good project when you're retired and you have time, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> or if you're on acreage or on some on, on mm. a little bit more land. So yeah. He's got his greenhouse and so eight foot deep um, and then uh, around about 60, I believe it was 60 metres um, going out and around his property, he's got one big trench, right. um, and under that, in that trench, is these pipes, and then he's covered it all over, and essentially he's just got this big ring of air pipes around that uh, around his uh, greenhouse. Okay, yeah. And so, what happens is in in the uh, winter, the air under the eight foot of ground is is quite stable yeah um and, and the temperature is quite stable and it's quite a lot warmer than what it is outside of course um, yeah. when it's snowing and it's there's two two or three meters of snow yeah um and then in the summer of course it's cooler air underground and so he's using the best of both times and it's quite advantageous because of course it's quite polar in his environment and his setting there yeah um, and then he's hooked up the fan and it simply blows around the air as he needs to. So he set it up to timers and controllers and I think as soon as it hits a certain temperature, probably around about you know, 12 or 13 degrees, it will pump on with the fans and the fans will come back on Yeah. Um, or, or likewise and it will cool it down. Um, he's He is... It's quite inspiring seeing the citrus and the types of things that is grown in there and inside the actual greenhouse itself, it's like, a, a, again, I mentioned it, I referred to it before, but it's like a little wonderland. It's um, There's things growing over each other. It's a very established greenhouse. It, yeah, it's got right. years and years of, of tree growth in there and it's tall enough that he's got, like I said, citrus and he's actually growing and selling citrus um, in there as well. Um so that tubing I mentioned was built, it was 2.4 metres underground and it went circling all the way around. And I think what was really good, and it's probably relating back to the permaculture mm. principles, is it's utilising the, the what's available, the stable temperatures of underground air, essentially just pushing it around where you need it and when you need it. Yeah, um, absolutely. In, in From memory, he mentioned that his electricity cost was somewhere in the order of $0.08 cents per day um, to keep everything going that's wild which which is pretty to, cool to grow oranges in minus 10 degrees or, or whatever mm. um yeah that's i have to watch this when i get home it's almost unbelievable but that's uh, what good design can achieve yeah, yeah yeah absolutely utilizing utilizing good design um he utilizes that sloping roof to caps capture the the sunlight the maximum amount of sunlight um, and I think going back to that, the, that Wallapini, um, greenhouse, why it's so efficient, uh, uh, and these methods are used is that the, uh, it doesn't necessarily require regular heating. It's primarily built within the earth. Um, the sunlight can be trapped by the roof, creating uh, a passive solar heat source for plants within. 
Um, I think probably the detractor from from this sort of style is, as I said before, it's there's a lot of setup costs um, mm. and yep. actions. Um, and it would also require a fairly large land requirement. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it would need a, a fairly large um, uh, space. But it is quite inspiring. Uh, it's still really yeah. cool to, to, to look at and to see and see what is created and, uh, and that. So I'd highly recommend it. Um, by all means, go and have a look. Search Greenhouse in the Snow and, and tell me what you think. It's awesome. I think, I think there's so much you can learn from people like this because um, it doesn't seem like it's an out-of-the-box solution that, you know, or, you know, something you could just purchase and install and mm. it has a kind of a DIY feel. I don't know, did he just kind of make it up or uh, was so it a kit? He, How did it, yeah. Interestingly, it goes on and, and he has then um, taken that design and... Uh, I guess on sold it, or he's helping other people to set up their own greenhouses. Right. So he sort of developed that, yeah, that method, or at least in that context, in, in his specific context. Yeah, and I believe he's going around. He's engaging with other people locally and setting up and helping to set up other ones. And there's actually one, uh, a different, not his direct one, but another greenhouse that he goes through and walks through and. He explains how it's been set up and what the mm. sorts of costs and things or rough costs were. Um, very interesting. Very, that's, very that's, interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I love, he's talked about going on a rabbit hole. I mean, that's what I love about things like YouTube and, and different, you know, things online is in a very short amount of time, mm. you can get a whole lot of inspiration mm. for, yeah, nifty, interesting ways to, to use your space effectively. Um, you know, big, big and small. Uh, I think the secret really, though, is to implement something yeah you could just be stuck in a rabbit hole forever (laughs) just that's true just gaining information but never using it and it's something i i struggle with sometimes but yeah thanks for sharing that that was um it was really cool i i I hope that we can have more gardening related stories i suppose as well as you know tips and tricks and and that Mm. sort of thing Uh, and just seeing what people are doing out there in, in different environments i mean what this person is doing i mean might not be super relevant to the australian environment i guess or climate but maybe yeah i mean if you have a house up in up in the mountains or something you yeah, know yeah. or in the southern tip of tasmania yep this could be something that you can use to you know grow bananas on the southern tip of tasmania or whatever it might be yeah some tropical fruits absolutely <laughs> um awesome well should we go to another song let's do and it and then when we come back we will talk about some useful apps because of course we shouldn't leave technology out when it comes to good gardening so here we go Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's Caram in Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. And we're back. Welcome back. Now, let's get into um, the last part of the show, which is talking a bit about some useful apps. Um, who was that? Who were we just listening um, to a second ago, by the way? That was The Dregs yep. with uh, Call Me Home. I like it. Um, thank you. 
Henry. Uh, yeah, talking about apps. apps. So, uh, interestingly, and um, to a little bit of surprise, it's we've actually jumped past the, the 8 o'clock time slot now and, and we've gone on for more than an hour. We're just having fun, you know. And we're just going to keep on going. <laughs> Why so, not? Um, we'll be here till midnight. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> But yeah, no, talking about some apps here. So one of the things that, you know, it's technology, there's huge, huge access to different information. You can go looking, sometimes it's a bit overwhelming mm. um, as to where you can look and what sort of useful tools are out there, but there are tons. Mm. Um during the break, we were talking uh, about YouTube videos and, and um, going down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos. But specifically, um, we've, we're, we wanted to talk about apps today uh, and a couple of useful apps that we've found. Um, one, again, this is quite a new one that I've been introduced to, but it's called iNaturalist. Um, it's both for Android and, uh, and uh, Apple. Um, it's an app for your phone and it allows you to observe um, hey, there we go. <laughs> so it's throwing it in there. So there's there's a couple of principles that it runs with. So it's about um, observing, sharing, learning, and um, providing research. So mm. you can upload pictures of plants, and the community will help you to validate them. Um, it basically, if you're un- not too sure what something is, um, and this can be for flora or fauna yeah. um, that's that's local to your area, you might see something that you walk past a, a plant and you're like, oh, there's no label on this plant. It looks great. I want to know what it is. Take a snap, upload it. Um, and you don't actually have to provide a, an email to log in, but it is a free a service and a free app. Um then the last part of it, once it is verified and it's confirmed, it gets into this research grade listing of, of being confirmed. Right. Um, from from what I've seen, it's it's quite it it's very much community based. Yeah. Um, so it's a very much about interacting with other people, and it might be that you see a post that's up there that you that you that you know well, and that you can comment back on and support mm. the community that way. Um, so that was the first one that, that we were having a look at and uh, that I've been playing around with. Another one that I've got installed on the phone at the moment is uh, one called Plant Snap. And Plant Snap is more so for when I want the, the algorithm and, uh, to, to give me an answer. Yeah. I want to know straight away. Um, what is this thing I'm looking at? What is this? Yeah. And generally speaking, it's going to be that you want to try and get a little bit of the... Again, it's a free one. It's for Android and Apple. Um, when you're taking a photo of, of a different plant, um, you want to get a little bit of the foliage, a little bit of the flower if you can. And when I went through the garden and gave it a bit of a run through just the other day, I did. it got far, four out of five. Okay. So it actually allows you to do, again, it's a free service. So it gives you five attempts at identification and it got it on point for four out of five of them. That's um, pretty good. And the last one was, it was quite close in, in its leaf pattern. So mm. um, where it was trying to lead me, but um, I, I knew that it wasn't what it was. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's I'd say that, that just be mindful of some of the results. That it can be varied, uh, that it might not be 100%, but it was pretty good and it definitely gave me a bit of a guide to go along with. Uh, and what did I identify? Some um, borage, some common borage the other day. Knew what it was. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure it was going to work properly yeah. and so I went in, took the photo and, and surely enough it, it came up and it was pretty quick with it as well. I mean, if you can't 
if you if you're an app that identifies plants and you can't identify borage, this, you're not a great app. This okay, is true. You maybe pick another one. <laughs> but no, so th- those were two that I've been using and trialing out. Um, Plant Snap I've had on for quite a while, a uh, number of years. Um, but the iNaturalist is one that I've just started using recently and it's interesting, yeah. I like I like the community engagement side of things and I like mm. that it's also supporting um, research to an extent as well. I love that. I, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of plant identification apps Mm. out there i think the one that i use oh i can't remember the name of it i could look it up right now on my phone i think it's called plant net maybe it might be might even be plant snap i don't know it's it's pretty similar and yeah your mileage might vary depending Mm. on how good the camera is on your phone and what the lighting is like but i i really like the the idea behind iNaturalist the community aspect Mm. because i think that's really where the accuracy is going to come from you know, and, and you get to obviously share things with other people. And I think that's really cool. And I think in the future, you know, as AI, becomes, not to touch on AI in this show, but <laughs> as AI becomes more prevalent, it's only a matter of time before it starts to get used in some of these, in some of this context, right? And Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, well, definitely later on in the, in the series, I do want to talk about the future of, uh, of gardening or the future of growing or maybe not necessarily what the future is of it or it's more so to envisage how are we going to support what what is the future of growing like what what sort of thing are we how are we going to grow things in 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 space um how are Ooh, we going to grow things in yes. a different uh um when climate changes when, when climates continue to the population change. keeps rising yeah, yeah definitely. Um, when we've got less space when uh, how do we grow inside of a building um when we might not have you know all the best natural lights and yeah. those sorts of things so i'm keen to go into that future of food and future of Ooh. sustainability and growing it's, it's definitely a bit that, of a passion that sounds awesome um yeah, well, the app that I wanted to bring to the party uh, is one that I've, I've been using for a while. It's called Sun Seeker. And it's basically, it's a, I guess, a comprehensive um, solar app. So it tracks the sun um, and has a compass as well if you need that. Um, but it's really in-depth and it, you can get really basic information if you just want that, but you can get really in-depth information if, if you prefer um, to really dig into every single hour of the day and exactly what degree in the sky the sun is coming from and, and that sort of thing. So it shows things like the sun's hourly direction intervals, as I mentioned, the equinox, um, you know, the, the times when the sun is exactly rising in the east and setting in the west, so, you know, some, uh, spring and autumn. Um, the solstice path, so where the sun is going in the middle of winter and in the middle of summer, um, sunrise and sunset times, of course. Um, yeah, all things related to what the hell the sun is doing at the (laughs) moment. Um, it allows you to add some notifications as well in a widget so that you can just quickly whip out your phone in the garden and, you know, get some immediate information on your, on your, on your home screen. Um, and really cool it has like a sort of a flat view but also a 3d augmented reality view so you can sort of you know hold your phone up and move it around uh and sort of see the arc drawn in the sky and uh-huh. kind of moves around with you so you can you can sort of say well, okay well at 3 p.m today you know let's say several hours from now the sun is going to be exactly there yeah yeah 
and that sort of thing. So that might help you with your observe and interact mm-hmm. activity if you don't want to sit in the same corner of the garden three times a day <laughs> for a year. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's free pretty much. Um, I'm not sure about the more in-depth aspects of it. Mm. There might be some extra th- stuff you have to purchase, but just the general stuff that you would need in a gardening context is free. So, mm. um, yeah, check that one out. And um, the iNaturals thing, I think, let's get everyone on that because yeah. if it's community-based, the more people, the better. You can, you can go down into a map level as well okay. and see what observations have been done around that. that area. So I'm quite keen to, to kind of delve into that and see, you know, that I, I like the idea of the citizen science uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so it might be identifying birds or insects um, and uh, there are some times where it be, uh, what is this bug sort of thing on, <laughs> on, on a leaf. <laughs> yeah, is this a good bug or, <laughs> or a bad bug? Um, great. Well... That's the end of the show. That is the end of the show. Um, thank you so much. It's been a great show. Um, what is coming up next week? Uh, we would definitely love to take some calls and messages uh, with any gardening uh, questions. The phone number again for next time we're on is 0493213831. And feel free to send them through at any time in the next couple of weeks and then we'll just quickly go through the phone um, before the next show in a couple of weeks and, uh, yeah, just get get, get a list of them. Um, you can also just send them in to us um, to our Downs Community Farm email, I suppose, which is Downs what, – what is it? I've forgotten already. <laughs> Downs <laughs> Estate Communications. <laughs> That's, I got it now. Downs Estate Communications at gmail.com. Feel free to send them through there as well. We would love to. We would love to get some engagement and questions mm. and or, or feedback and suggestions coming through. Yeah. Um, get off the air, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> also, next show, we will be talking about making use of small spaces. Um, so, some tips for gardens of all sizes, but especially those with very limited space mm. um, or time. Maybe you just have a balcony or. Mm. like a, a dark courtyard or something like that, yeah. Yep. Um, we'll talk about the second uh, permaculture principle, as I mentioned before, so capturing and storing energy. Um, yeah, and that's that should be it. Mm. Maybe we'll throw something extra in there too, but you'll have to wait and find out what that is. Yep, absolutely. A little bit of a thank you. Um, so last fortnight when we, when we came on, we um, were – spoke about and promoted a big dig and tree planting uh, day down at the Downs. Uh, yep. That was not last weekend – sorry, not weekend just been, but the, the one the before, prior before yep. that. Um, and wanted to, to give a huge shout-out to, to everybody who came down to the Downs and helped out. It was a great day. We did some cooking. We did some tree planting. It was uh, – we just got to share in the space. The uh, sun came out. It was, the sun it was came great. out. Um, and just quietly today, it was a gorgeous autumn, autumn winter day. Um, and it was, it was very, very lovely outside with the sun, um, coming through. I also like, yeah, I'll just jump in as well. I really want to thank the Mornington Peninsula Permaculture Network, um, Mm -hmm. who, uh, a whole bunch of their, their members came down. I think they had their monthly meeting there possibly as well, but they helped out with the tree planting as well as just, we did a bit of extra stuff around the garden as well mm, mm. so it's great to have another you know bunch of people down and, and getting involved many hands makes light work definitely and uh it was a great day a great in, uh, great day 
um, and promoting our, our next day. We've got on the 17th of June. Yep. Um, which is actually this weekend. This coming weekend, 10 till 1, 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. We'll be doing a big dig and, uh, again, we'll have various uh, little projects around the place to to help in. Um, But even if it's simply coming down and and having a look around the garden and seeing what sort of things are being grown and and meeting the crew, you'd be more than welcome um, and sharing in our space. Um, Henry, thank you so much. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, it's been great to do this second episode of the gardening show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll be back on the, I can't tell you the exact date. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but two weeks from now, yep. two Tuesdays from now at 7 PM here on Radio Carom. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.